We are in our second week of I Am Jesus. Uh, And the big idea to this series, like I mentioned at the beginning of the service, is that we are looking at what Jesus has done for us to save us. Last week we looked at how uh, He identified with us. He gave up His perfection and was identified as a sinner, taking on the responsibility of our sins uh, and taking them to the cross so that we wouldn't have to. We call Him our sin-bearer in that way. He bore our sins. Today, we look at how Jesus battled for us. And so I want you to consider this question. Do you like to win or lose? I think we'd all say we like to win, right? Uh, I don't think anybody sitting here would say, yeah, I actually really enjoy losing. Uh, Nobody starts a game and says, man, I really hope that I lose. Somebody with a soccer game later today is not sitting there thinking, hey, I can't wait to play later because I can't wait to lose. Nobody says that because we all like to win. Even sports teams who are purposely trying to lose to get a higher draft pick, they don't enjoy losing. That's not fun. We all like to win. And some of us, some of us don't like losing more than they even like winning. The, the, the emotions that we have when we lose are, are greater than the emotions we have when we win. We just don't like to lose that much. To the point where sometimes we even trick ourselves that we've won when we've really lost. I played a game, I think it was Sorry, with my nephew, uh, who, I don't know, Ann's not in here, so I can't ask how old, how old he is. He's like five. Uh, and he, he claimed that he won the game because all of his pawns got into the home base. But he didn't follow the rules. He cheated. Uh, he, he didn't listen to the cards. He went out of turn. Uh, he just did whatever he wanted, but he claimed to win. He tricked himself into thinking he won because he wanted to win that badly. We're all kind of like that. We like to win. And so I, now I have another question for you. Does God view you as a winner or a loser? When it comes to temptations and fighting the devil and our own sinful nature, uh, are we winners or losers? If you're like me, you've lost more battles than you've won. And you've identified that you've lost in certain areas too. That's at least how I am. I realize that I'm losing two temptations over here, and so I focus all my energy over here, and I might win a few battles. But then I've lost all the ones over here. So I think I'm good over here, so I turn all my attention over here, and I start fighting over here, but then I I lose over here again. And we can't win all the battles. We just can't. We just can't. And so if you're like me, and you've lost more battles than you've won, this is for you. If you're feeling down about yourself, and you think, and you're sitting there thinking that uh, you're some kind of loser, this message is for you. Because Jesus battled for you. It might surprise you, but Jesus himself was tempted. The Bible says that he was tempted in every way that we are. And so think through your life. Think of all the temptations that you have faced. Jesus was tempted to do the same thing. 
he was tempted to not do what we do. Or he was tempted to... (laughs) Sins of omission, right? uh, He was tempted to not do what God wanted him to do in all areas of his life. And the thing about Jesus, the thing that's different from Jesus and us, is that when we fail, when we lose, it only really affects us and our eternal outcome. But with Jesus, the whole world is affected through Him. If He lives perfectly, we all win. If He sins just once, we all lose and we are eternally condemned to hell for our sins. What happens to Jesus happens to us. And if you're following along in your worship folder, that's our first point this morning. What happens to Jesus happens to us. So if Jesus lives perfectly, if He lives perfectly, and He wins all the battles against temptation, we get love, we get forgiveness, we get heaven, we get uh, God's love and forgiveness. God delights in us. That's what we get. If He loses, if He fails just once, loses one battle, God is forced to be fair. And He will remember every single word we've said, every single thought that we've had, every single action that we have done. And He will be forced to be fair. And so Jesus battles for us. That's what we're looking at today. We are in Matthew chapter 4, beginning with verse 1. Here's what we're told. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Stop. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. This was Jesus versus Satan, one-on-one. This was the battle. Two heavyweights going against each other. This was actually the second battle between Jesus and the devil. Uh, We don't know much about battle number one, other than it was shortly after creation, and Satan, who was created as a good angel, tried to overthrow God's throne, tried to take over God, and Jesus won and cast him out of heaven down to earth where he now roams. That time, Jesus was true God and only true God. This time, he's true God and true man. Vulnerable. Weak like you and me. Last time, it was on Jesus' home, home turf. It was in heaven. This time, Jesus is where? In the devil's stadium where Satan is undefeated. He's never lost. This time, Jesus is in the wilderness by Himself. And here's what happened. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, He was hungry. The tempter came to Him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Think of how hungry you are just from lunch to dinner time. You eat at lunch and then dinner time, you're pretty hungry, aren't you? And what happens when you're hungry? You get irritable. You can't concentrate as easily. Your patience is lacking. You get angry a lot easier. In fact, we even came up with an English word to describe it. What is it? 
hangry, right? We get so hungry, we're angry. So we're hangry. Now imagine fasting for 40 days. No food. Your body will literally start to shut down after that period of time. You're fatigued. You're quite literally starving. Nobody is around to hear what you say, to know what you think, to see what you did, except you, the devil, and God. And it's in this situation that the devil comes and he throws his first jab at at Jesus. And he says, if you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. First temptation, if you're following along, stop trusting God. Stop trusting God. Last week, we looked at Jesus' baptism, right? End of Matthew chapter 3. As soon as Jesus was baptized, the Spirit led Him out into the desert, and for 40 days He's fasting. So just 40 days before this incident, Jesus was walking up out of the Jordan River, and God was saying what from heaven? This is My Son, whom I love. With Him I am well pleased. And this is a tricky temptation because it it seems pretty innocent. Oh, Jesus, if you're God, just tell these stones to become bread. Eat. But behind it is stop trusting God. Satan attacks what God said to Jesus. He says, Jesus, if you're really the Son of God, why are you suffering? Why are you going hungry? Why has God not allowed you to eat for 40 days? This doesn't make sense. Does He really love you? Who knows when He's going to allow you to eat? Your body's really shutting down, Jesus. You feel all that hunger pain. And if you're the Son of God, why are, why are, you, going to, why are you doing that? Tell these stones to become bread and eat. You don't have to suffer anymore. Stop trusting God and do it yourself. Satan throws this jab at us every, t- every day, doesn't he? Tries to get us to stop trusting God. Especially when we're in the wilderness, so to speak, when we are going through suffering, when it's not all gravy and peaceful in our life, uh, then he really throws jabs at us to stop trusting God. When we are having a, a, an experience where it's, it's really tight financially speaking, the kids need things, we need things, bills keep coming in, unexpected bills come in, and the budget is tight. And we pray to God. We pray to Him. Lord, please, help us. Provide for us. Let the numbers come in. Let the money come in. And yet it continues to be wilderness. And we continue to go through it. And nothing's changing. Satan comes and he says, Hey, you can't trust this God guy. You can't trust Him. You've tried the Bible study thing. You've tried the prayer thing. Now it's time to ditch those things and work. Pick up extra shifts on Sunday morning. Pick up extra shifts at night so that you cut out your own personal Bible study time. uh, So that you cut out getting together with other believers. Because guess what? The Bible study and prayer aren't making money. Working is. Stop trusting God. And we lose. We get in a situation where if we tell the truth, uh, it's going to possibly make us lose our job. Or ruin a friendship. And instead of trusting God, 
to provide for our work or provide for and heal our broken hearts if that friendship were to end. Satan says, don't trust God. Trust yourself. Lie. Get yourself out of this jam. The night comes. We close the doors, turn off the lights. And we know that God is a great protector. We know it. We know He's the one who protects us. But boy, our hearts are restless. And so what do we do the next day? We go out and buy the greatest security system that is out there. And then we sleep at peace at night because we have our security system watching over us. Not that a security system is wrong, but it's wrong when we trust our security system for protection. And that's where we find our peace. That's where we find our rest. Instead of finding our peace and rest, knowing that God is protecting us. Because what happens? Satan whispers and says, you can't trust God to protect you. You can't trust Him. And we lose. But notice what Jesus does. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus dodged His jab and counterattacked and landed a punch right on Satan's jaw. And he says, man does not live on bread alone. Satan, it doesn't matter if if Jesus has all of the bread in the entire world. He's not going to live unless if God says, Jesus, live. He's not going to continue to breathe. The blood's not going to keep pumping if God doesn't make it happen. If God wills it that we die, we're going to die. If He wants us to come home to heaven, He's going to bring us home to heaven. God is the one who keeps our bodies going. And Jesus knew that. And He says, I'm going to trust my Heavenly Father. I'm going to trust God. When Satan finally picked himself off of uh, the dirt floor, he brought him to the temple for round two. And in round two, here's what the temptation is. It's literally to tempt God. It's literally to tempt God. Here's what Satan says. The devil took him up to the holy city, that is Jerusalem, and had him stand at the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Satan says, Jesus, Jesus, if you are the Son of God like you say, If God's going to keep you alive, like you say, throw yourself down from here. Think of the following you'll have, Jesus, when you jump from this great height and you walk and you stand and walk away. People are going to flock to you. Oh, man. Oh, and Jesus, because you like to quote Scripture, here's one for you. God will command His angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Throw yourself down, Jesus. If God wants you to be alive, He's going to send His angels to lift you up. You're not going to be hurt. And what did Satan do? He plucked a scripture verse right out, didn't care about context, and he twisted it for his own use. He gets us with this one too, right? He jabs at us. He gets us to remember, oh, it's by grace I'm saved. Through faith, and it's not of yourself, 
It is a gift of God that you are saved. Not by works. So that no one can boast. And we take that verse, we pluck it right out, and we say, Oh, well, great. I'll go ahead and go ahead and I'll go ahead and sin right now. And when I lay down at night, I'll know I'm saved because it's by God's grace. Nothing I can do, so I might as well sin away. But that is twisting scripture to our own personal desire. It's twisting scripture to fit what we want it to be and justify our bad actions. That's not what that verse is there for. It's to comfort us, not to give us a license to sin. Notice how Jesus responds. It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Jesus says, I'm going to let Scripture interpret Scripture. And He quotes Scripture saying, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. And he lands another punch right in Satan's jaw. And there he goes down again. Another victory for Jesus. Satan's down there, anger brewing up inside, and he storms up and he's got one more temptation, which is arguably the hardest one. Round three. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms and their sp- of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. The last one, worship a false god. Satan says to Jesus, look at all of the the kingdoms here. Jesus, these are the kingdoms you came to win. This is what you came for. And Jesus, I will wave the white flag. I will give them up. I will let you have them. Just for one second, bow down and worship me. One second. Bow down and worship me. That's it. Think, Jesus. You won't have to suffer. Think, you won't have to go through the embarrassment of the cross. All of this can be over and all the kingdoms will be yours. Just worship me. But just like every temptation of Satan it is filled with vain promises and emptiness because if Jesus would have bowed down he would have been Satan's slave and we would have been lost in our sin forever but it's a pretty heavy temptation isn't it if Jesus could skirt suffering do you think that seemed pretty attractive it would for us Satan says all you have to do is worship me And He whispers this one into our ears all the time and we don't even know it. We don't even realize it. He comes to us and whispers, Hey, you want to be well rested for the the upcoming week? Sleep in Sunday morning. Who cares? You need your rest. Worship your pillow. Worship yourself. Worship the devil. He doesn't care as long as you're not worshiping God. That's great. He comes to us and He says, You want your kids to have the nicest and, and best things? You want them to fit in? Go ahead. Charge it. Rack up incredible debt. Everybody's doing it. Who cares? That's worshiping yourself. He comes and he says, Hey, you want friends? You want to fit in? Watch shows that you know aren't God-pleasing so that you can talk about it with people. Lose your integrity. 
Start cussing up a storm, swearing, using bad language. Talk poorly about our leadership, about teachers, about parents. Lose your integrity. Who cares? Then you'll fit in and you'll have every friend in the world. Just don't worship God. Just stop putting Him first in your life and you can have it all. And we lose. Look how Jesus responded. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve Him only. Then the devil left him, and the angels came and attended him. Jesus said, Satan, it doesn't matter if I'm suffering. It doesn't matter how long this has to go on. I'm serving and worshiping God alone. I'm not just going to serve and worship Him one hour a week. It's going to be every single moment of my life. He's going to be my number one because I trust Him because of what God's Word says. And He said, Get away from me, Satan. You lose. And with one swift uppercut, bam! Satan's down. And when he finally could gather enough strength, he scampered away with his tail between his legs, defeated. Jesus wins. So what are we to take away from all this? What's the point here? It's easy to think that we look at this and we say, well, Jesus was tempted every time, and every time Jesus responded with Scripture. I know what the point is. Let's memorize Scripture so that when in temptation, we can quote it and we can fight temptation. And there's, there's value in memorizing Scripture. Uh, Because that is how we fight temptation. That's our sword. That's our weapon. The Word. But that's not the point of this section of Scripture. The point of this section of Scripture is to let you know that Jesus battled for you and He won. And what happens to Jesus happens to you. Jesus won, therefore you win. You defeat Satan. You defeat temptations. And that's how God views you as a winner in His eyes. And so here's your take-home point. Jesus' prize is our prize. His prize is ours. Every single moment of Jesus' life, He obeyed God perfectly. He fought every temptation and He defeated the devil, never losing once. And God gave Him the prize of a winner. What did He give him? He said, I am well pleased with you. Everything you've done, I am pleased with Jesus. He heard and answered every one of Jesus' prayers. Maybe not how Jesus wanted, but He heard and answered them. He delighted in Jesus. He genuinely loved being with Jesus. He crowned Him with everlasting life. He raised Him from the dead, gave Him a new body a glorious body, and He brought Him into God's presence forever. And remember, what happens to Jesus happens to you. His prize is your prize. God looks at you and He says, I am well pleased. I am well pleased. Because through Jesus... We have His perfect life. All of our sins are forgiven. His record is our record. So God looks at you and He says, I am well pleased with you. 
I delight in you. God genuinely delights in being with you and spending time with you. He loves it when you open His Word and and pray to Him because He gets to spend time with you. And He loves that. He hears and answers every one of your prayers. Maybe not how you want, but He hears and answers them. He's going to crown you with everlasting life. He's going to raise you from the dead and He's going to give you a new and glorious body. And He's going to bring you into His presence forever where you will be with Him. You'll be able to hug Him. You'll be able to eat with Him. And you'll see Him for eternity. So here's what I want you to do when you get home. And I really want to know if you do this. I want you to take a bar of soap. Bar of soap. And I want you to go to your mirror and draw a big cross on it. Right across. And when you look in that mirror every single day, you will see you how God sees you, which is through the cross of Christ. You will see all of your sins forgiven. You will see how God delights in that person that you're looking at, God delights in. That person that you're looking at, God sees as perfect. That person that you're looking at, He delights to be with because of Christ. Because He battled for you. We are winners in God's sight. All because of Jesus, the one who battled for us. His prize is our prize now. Now and forever. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, we are so thankful that you battled for us and you defeated sin and Satan and all temptation for us. We thank you for letting us uh, have the prize that really you only deserve. We ask that as we live in this uh, grace and this forgiveness that you help us to remember uh, that we are winners in you, that our sins are forgiven, that we have perfection through you, and that God delights in us because of what you did for us. Help us to live in this grace and in this forgiveness every single moment of our life. In your name we pray. Amen.